what a day. Yes, the madman's back at the microphone. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. They let the same guy return tomorrow. Today, you're stuck with me. Tres horas. Three hours of radio. Stuck with me. Glad to have you with us here. Always glad to have you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Ryan making me sound like... See, see, my voice is actually like five octaves higher, so Ryan brings it down into the hearable level. So see, I, I have this wonderfully melodic voice. He even runs it through a, a language thing. And it sounds, see, I sound like I have you know amazing capabilities and degree of alacrity that is unrivaled. See, Ryan is amazing. So, glad to have you with us. 704-570-1110-570-1110. If you want to get in on the the excitement that is the Pete Callender Show today with the guest host sitting in. And Pete, like I said, will be back tomorrow. I think I'm actually doing a, a 10 to noon tomorrow. I love this station. I bounce around everywhere. I love these guys. Now, if you if you want to get a snapshot, um, by the way, I, just this is just funny, and I'm going to tie it into a funny story that any of you and a lot of people that are listeners of talk radio, those are engaged people. Radio timely, topical. It's it's things that we get to flush out. We get to discuss in depth. With with, with print journalism, you have you know 300, 600 words, and that's you have to get the summation of the story. Unless you're a, a periodical reader of the Wall Street Journal or the Atlantic or something of that nature, which is more flushed out. But in general, it's much tighter. So when you when you see three, six hundred words, they're trying to get everything in to that kind of inch, couple inches of copy. So you don't get the kind of depth that you get on talk radio. What does it mean? What's the context of what occurred? Even on in your evening news, which I don't think a lot of local news is necessarily biased. I, I get in this discussion all the time with folks. It's the, the national networks that are trying to get viewers that, that, that just have this unbelievable. In fact, ABC, NBC, CBS collectively spent 0.0 seconds addressing the John Durham bombshell from last week. They didn't even act like it existed. CNN had a paltry. I think they've had about uh, two minutes, 20 seconds total max on the Durham bombshell. It's a huge story. But that's where you see more of the bias. The local news, hey, they want to get the weather in. It's 11 o'clock at night. Here's who died right before you go to sleep. They give you every violent action that happened, and you have to go to sleep. Weather, sports, they cram it all in. Most news segments, less than two minutes. So you don't get, and, and a lot of reporters, bless their heart, a lot of the field reporters are fairly young. Their life experience is fairly limited. Nothing. They're, they're good people. They do good things. But they don't have policy depth or life experience to ask difficult follow-up questions. So a lot of times the bias that I find in my local media is really not due to intent. It's due to, they see the government's, oh, the government's going to create this brand new program and it's going to solve poverty. And they're all into it. But then if you were to ask the next question, wait, where are you going to get the funds from? What are the metrics by which you measure the outcomes? What kind of impact do you expect this to have? Instead of just swallowing the Kool-Aid in a prob to propaganda kind of way, they don't, they don't know the questions to ask to get to the next level. And again, they don't have a, a long time to explain and flush out things. So having said that, go back. Let's go back to talk radio audience, which is where we, we really started. Talk radio audiences are usually fairly well-informed. The left likes to say low-information voters. I, I think just the opposite. I think that they're, they're very, very well-informed. They know how they feel about things. They, they do read. They do see things. And, and so a lot of you receive political mail in your email box every day. Oh, act now. We need to raise money. The end is near. 
these kind you see them. We, we think they're kind of comical, but they do work. People do give money based on passion, and that's why they're going to take your guns. They're going to they're going to take your freedoms, and you give money. I'm not I'm not putting it down. That's political advertising. The same is true if you get political stuff from the left. I happen to get some of that as well, and it's like, oh my god, they're going to destroy your way of life. We got to stop these MAGA people. Give money now, or the country is over, and our progressive agenda and the, the planet will end as we know it, and animals will be killed in the street, and they'll kick your babies. It's the it's the same kind of political rhetoric on the left. In fact, I was up at Real Clear Politics today, and there's a there's a huge ad to impeach Kavanaugh. We need 70,000 signatures to end Kavanaugh. Sign the petition now. We know this. All of you are listeners. So here's what's funny. So there was a tweet that popped up. You know, I'm going to get it right. So there's a tweet that pops up from Travis Fain. Now, Travis Fain is the WRL political guy. I'm often amazed. I, I don't think Fain – we talk radio people. We know our bias. So we have, to, we have to hunt to make sure we keep that in check, and, and we admit it. I'm a conservative talk show host. I have this conservative ideology. It's been in place. I was a I was an editor for a college newspaper, a conservative one in the 80s, the only conservative newspaper in the UNC system. So these this is something I've had with me for life. And it goes through that. And, and I know that those are the best solutions, generally speaking. There's very few big government solutions that ever make sense or accomplish what they they intend to. Look at the Great Society. None of that stuff ended poverty. None of it ended what it was supposed to do. So Travis Fain, the political guy for WRL, arguably the largest television station in the state, Capital Broadcasting owns it. Capital Broadcasting, very left-leaning. They are. It's, it's known. It's, it's not unknown. Now, the weather, is the weather left-leaning? No. Well, other than the climate change stuff that gets slid in every now and then. But generally speaking, a lot of the news is just the news. But so Travis Fain, the political guy, covers the House and stuff. He tweeted, Congressman Ted Budd will not stop telling people that if they don't give his campaign money, America as they know it will end. And he alerted North Carolina NC Poll, which is a big Twitter feed for anyone interested in North Carolina politics, or NC Sen, which is all the people for the Senate. So what's funny about that, and then, he, and then he attaches this urgent note, my friend Ted Budd needs your help. Ted is approaching his mid-month fundraising deadline. I'm actually reading this because it's funny. If Ted doesn't hit this goal, we don't take back the Senate. The Democrats will rig our elections, pack the Supreme Court, and remove every freedom that you hold dear. That is a very typical political letter. The fact that the political guy for WRAL acts like it's something extraordinary and is ridiculing it shows a profound lack of depth. And see here, we can talk about that. It's kind of remarkable that that's what passes for political because you could insert any letter from any group raising money for any candidate on either side of the aisle, and it has this kind of inflammatory feel to it. You know it. I know it. We see it all the time. Impressed. Color me impressed. Chad Adams, your guest host here, WBT. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 570-1110. Welcome to be a part of the show. You move to the front of the line should you find the need to be a part of things. We would love to have you. So anyway, having said that, this. by the way, I said earlier that MSNBC, I'm sorry, ABC, NBC, and CBS devoted zero minutes to the John Durham probe, which exposes that you didn't have a foreign government spying on the White House. You had a political party, a campaign spying and hacking into the White House. And MSNBC devoted zero minutes to that as well. So it is a big deal. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more, but I want to give you a snapshot of how – 
you know, you can go to the real, you can see this. So what I'm about to expose you is not secret. And I, I do post almost literally everything that comes across my way of viewing the world. I put out there. You guys can criticize it. You can push back. You can go to my Facebook page. You can go to, and by the way, WPT is putting a lot of this stuff out as well. So it's not like it's just a secret between us. You can tell me that kind of stuff. Real Clear Politics is an aggregate news site. They have a bunch of different ones. They have energy. They have health. They have uh, science. Yes, actual science. Not the kind of stuff you see on TV in the evening, but actual science that means test itself and challenges its assumptions and then comes up with something that looks true and can be tested and repeated, unlike what we see from the CDC. Now, when you go to there, you can see a, a summation from across the world. I mean, they have a real clear world as well. They have health. They have energy, science, like I said before, religion, education, sports, all this stuff. It's a great aggregator. It's updated every day. Today's politics version, the aggregator, very interesting to me. You can kind of get a feel for what things look like. So the first one is how the CDC abandoned science from Tablet Magazine. The second one, Europeans shocked by Democrats' cruel child masking rules. Now, usually what you see with this is that you see kind of a back and forth. They'll try to put one article that kind of leans to the right, another article that leans to the left, and so forth. But more and more, we're finding some of these, like the Atlantic and other left-leaning publications, are posting a more freedom-oriented way of looking at things. The fact that the CDC being accused of abandoning science and the next headline is Europeans shocked by Dems' cruel child masking rules. By the way, they're still in effect in North Carolina. We're going to speaking. We're supposed to have Speaker Tim Moore on the show in the second hour. Well, actually, third hour, two o'clock. So third hour. Get my times mixed up there. So that's kind of interesting. Another headline, Durham revelations put Jake Sullivan in uneasy light. We discussed this very topic on this show yesterday, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, standing before the nation trying to give us advice about the Ukrainian stuff and looking, I mean, in the meantime, in the background, Jake Sullivan's completely compromised because he is caught up completely in the John Durham probe. He was someone that was probably involved with the hacking of a White House server. Jake Sullivan, the calls for resignation and the discussion about Jake Sullivan, he's going to, I guarantee you, they're going to keep him in the background because questions, if they put him in a microphone, he's going to face these kind of questions. Right now, the White House, when it's being asked these questions, are desperately trying to say, well, you need to refer to the Justice Department. You need to refer to the Justice Department. But the president, the now president, then vice president, was in the room with Obama when this stuff was discussed as a strategy to get rid of Donald Trump. And it became a policy to get rid of the sitting president. Next one, after the Durham revelations put Jake Sullivan in the spotlight, why Biden might still be the nominee. Lessons from a Democrat's failed America rescue plan. The wrong way to respond to inflation, panicking. By the way, the numbers today, not, not good. The market went up, but mainly because Ukraine tensions seemed to ease. Putin did a brilliant job of, again, Putin's really good at being a bad guy. Biden is worse at being a good guy than Obama was. But this is funny. So he says, ah, you know what? I'm going to move a couple troops around away from the border. We're done with these military exercises. <sighs> Meanwhile, he's getting concessions. He's getting he, he's proving that being a bully on the world stage actually helps him. He's got his pipeline over in the German, the Nord Stream pipeline situation. He's getting concessions. I mean, it's working. This kind of intimidation and bullying is teaching the world. Here's what you do, folks. Let me show you how it's done. I'm a former KGB guy. I know how to manipulate weak leadership in the United States. They were all caught up with collusion that we never had. Trump was kind of scared of the Russians. <laughs> they didn't know what he was going to do. But this guy, they know what Biden and that those clowns are going to do. 
So anyway, it's an interesting amalgamation of, of different issues. Now, we will get to the Canadian, the Canadian situation. And it is, it is fascinating to me the depth, the, the, how far Justin Trudeau – by the way, I think cowardice in leadership often leads to tyranny – Trudeau did not. He he went into hiding when the truckers showed up. He hid. He hid. I don't know if he had COVID or not, but he hid. He stayed away. It didn't go away. Now, two weeks into this, and Justin Trudeau is like trying to declare martial law, the equivalent of. He's trying to declare these Emergency Powers Act. It's inter- it, And think about the, the oddity of this, because it, it is quite odd. So Justin Trudeau is upset, you know, that the, the Truckers are pro- wanting more freedom. They just want to get rid of some of the restrictions that are impacting their ability to do their job and deliver goods across Canada and into the U.S. And so they go to protest that. And what does he do? He cracks down by taking even more freedoms away, going after their bank accounts, going after their health care, going after everything about them, even going after donors, declaring he's going to do that. Meanwhile, multiple groups, multiple other states out there in Canada are not agreeing with that. Federal Emergencies Act so far rejected by New Brunswick, Quebec, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. So we will look into this further as we continue with the show. So much to discuss. Just a thought. The wisdom of Twitter. At Graces for You. If you're the right kind of protest, you can cause death, billions in property damage. The government will cheer your cause, pitch in for your bail. If you're the wrong kind of protest, you can be peaceful, cause no damage. The government will call you terrorist and seize your assets. Something to ponder. Something to ponder. Now, I have the, the funny story of the day. This, this was not included in my list of things to do, but it's just worthy of being discussed. It's from the Washington Examiner. I think Ryan's going to like this story. I don't even know him that well, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. He's gonna scratch his head on this. He might even chime in. I, I don't know. I never heard about gender equal suntanning rights. Ryan, have you ever heard that phrase? Gender equal suntanning rights. See, Ryan's being real quiet on me all of a sudden. So, <laughs> so here's. I'm, I'm not going to read the headline because it would give the story away. This is what makes radio so much fun. So, a new proposal aimed at achieving gender-equal suntanning rights would allow people to go topless on all Nantucket beaches. So forcing a woman to wear a top is infringing upon their suntanning rights. Did you know? I mean, at what point? (laughs) See how this gets more absurd by the day, doesn't it? Dorothy Stover, 40, proposed the new gender equality. I wonder if Charlotte, I wonder with all this gender equity and and social justice stuff, are they going to go and and, and go for gender equal suntanning rights? I I wonder if the mayor would consider gender equal suntanning rights, which would allow women to sunbathe topless in Charlotte. Maybe they should consider that. Dorothy Stover, 40, proposed the gender equality on beaches bylaw amendment, which would allow women as well as men. The men can go topless, too. Who knew? At the Massachusetts Island world-famous beaches, in order to promote equality for all persons, any person shall be allowed to go topless on any public or private beach within the town of Nantucket. The proposal is on the agenda for consideration. The meeting, now, not till May 2nd, because who wants to sunbathe in, like, February and March in Nantucket. I don't think anybody's looking for gender equality suntanning in the wintertime up there. If the amendment is approved in the meeting, state law would still need to be changed to allow women to be topless. So in other words, the city says, yeah, it's fine with us, but you got to talk to those people at the state house. Maybe we'll ask Tim. Maybe we'll ask Speaker Tim. 
authority supports gender equality for sunbathing. I thought you can't make this up. I love I love this. This is this is how weird this story gets. This is really antiquated, and this is inequality, Stover said. That's the 40-year-old woman that won it. Said of the law, according to the Cape Cod Times. Here's the next quote. <laughs> I can't make this up. Some men have bigger breasts than I do. I'm not saying that everybody has to be topless. I want to support the love of the body. <laughs> I want to support some men. So here's the thing. If men have bigger breasts, now I don't even, there's so many different avenues to go, and none of them are productive. None of them lead anywhere to, to except to comic, co- comedic intrigue. Now, the problem with that is if we get down the path of comedic intrigue, then cancel culture gets alarm and bell whistles set off because it'll happen somewhere. Some server somewhere will pick up on something being said that offends the cancel culture, culture squad, and then because we went down the path far enough, they have to cancel us. Of course, they don't have to worry about because Pete will be back on. So Pete has the most famous phrase in politics ever. It's two words. The greatest two words in politics today, made famous by anyone connected to anyone who's done wrong things, and that is called plausible deniability. Plausible. Remember, the great, if you're ever involved in politics, greatest two words ever, plausible deniability. So Pete can come on tomorrow and say, you know what? I don't know what the hell Chad was talking about. Had no idea. Had no, no idea. No earthly idea. Ryan can say, you know, folks, Chad came up with that one on his own, which I did, by the way. So, Ryan, so if we went down, hashtag, hashtag, there you go, hashtag plausible deniability. <laughs> so we have hashtag plausible deniability, and then and then the hashtag uh, gender equal suntanning rights. <laughs> uh, I can't. I just can't make this kind of stuff up. I can't. Now. On to another intriguing subject that involves the citizens of North Carolina. And this is a weird one. The governor weighed in on this yesterday. The governor of the state of North Carolina weighed in on, the, on this issue yesterday. And, and to me, it's, uh, it's right back into the weirdness. Uh, the, the, this, okay, I'm going to tell you what they're talking about. And then we're going to have a little exploration about the space-time continuum. And before you go off on some Big Bang Theory, Star Trek in, you know, violation of laws of physics i'm not going to do that but i'm saying the assertion here is a political version of the space-time continuum and here it is will doran and will's a good guy tweeted today meaning yesterday the supreme court of north carolina heard a case about whether a gerrymandered legislature is even legitimate a gerrymandered legislature is even legitimate so Let's think about where that takes you. The next line, he says, and therefore, if some of the constitutional amendments passed, like voter ID, should now be taken out of the Constitution. So this gets you into that reversal situation, the space-time continuum. Now, Governor Cooper tweeted along those lines and said, you know, is the, an- is, should, is the answer to whether or not you can undo what the legislature has done if it's determined that they were gerrymandered, therefore not not legitimate and he said i think the answer is yes or that 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 what they did was legitimate then he would say no so what i'm saying is he basically rubber stamped that we can go back in the past and and now the irony here is he's only referring to this particular legislature for 2018 the problem with rc and he did put rc on that one which means roy cooper in fact i want to pull that one up while i'm sitting here the the problem with that is that how far back do you go? How far back 
you know, do do you go? And, I, and so the question I posed, in fact, I'll, I'll pull mine up because I have it on there. The, the question I posed is, how far, okay, let's now do the early 20th century and some of the stuff that Democrats passed in a highly specious I mean, every every map was and some of the craziest gerrymanders you've ever seen took place in North Carolina. So do we go back and, and reassess that? And you have to, you know, any any reasonable person would say that's just insane. Governor Roy Cooper wrote RC, which means Roy Cooper. The North Carolina Supreme Court heard arguments today on this question. Should an unconstitutional elected legislature be able to amend the Constitution? I think there's a clear no. The little, those are his words, his exact words. I read them. And so I wrote, is that retroactive to include the time you served in the General Assembly, Governor Cooper? What about the actions of previous legislators in the early 20th century? What about the 19th century? We could say that the things that were done in the 19th century were done by gerrymandered legislature and therefore unconstitutional. We can rewrite. This paves the way to rewrite everything that was done in the past from a Democrat perspective. The coronavirus cases continue to decline rapidly. First time they've been this way at this point since December the 19th. So it does look like, if you looked at the chart, it looks like, you know, Everest, uh, on, on the backside of Everest, getting down near, you know, base camp again. So good news. But you have to think, you know, Cabarrus County now joining the ranks of those. More and more counties are saying, no more, this is mask optional. If you parents want to do it, and that's the right approach. It's the common sense approach. There's not a a great deal of information that suggests these cloth masks do anything to help the kids at all. Almost zero. It's, I mean, it's just silly. And in fact, I can relay a story. I, I sit on a charter board and we had the mask mandate. It was, it was funny because the, the county, this is Brunswick County forced. Uh, actually, we, we were kind of going mask optional and doing some things. And the county sent a sheriff's deputy to our school. The county health director drew up this egregious attack on the school and said, if you don't comply and do what we tell you to do, we're going to arrest you and you could face up to two years in prison. Anyone who doesn't comply. It was this unbelievable, uh, tyrannical approach to things. And it started to get a little heated. We tried to tamp it down and just try to, but we ended up having a staff that had to do an unbelievable amount of work, hours and hours to do the work that ultimately the health department is now tasked with doing. We went, we voted to go mask optional. Uh, in fact, we we had a mask optional policy in December, unless a school hit five percent, and then it was we would say no, it goes fully masked up. But now we've said we're just not doing this anymore. We're not doing contact tracing anymore. We are we are going full. We're here to educate the kids. And I'll tell you an incident that happened. Why? There's a point to this. We had kids that that were there to get picked up by parents, guardians, this kind of stuff. We had a kid that got picked up, and lo and behold. You know, when the when uh, another parent came to get their kid, their kid's not there. Looked all over the school, kid not there. Teachers looking. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty upsetting situation until one of the teachers said, "Oh well, you know, these two kids look alike with the mask on." So what had happened is the babysitter came to pick up the kid. He jumped in the back car. I guess she checked her text messages and drove off. Didn't realize she had the wrong kid. It was like twenty minutes later. She realized she didn't realize she had the wrong kid. They didn't talk. She's doing her thing. She's a new, relatively new babysitter. She had authorization to pick up the kid. And it took about an hour to get it all straightened out. Now, good version is no harm, no foul. But again, with the mask, the kids, you know, first grader or whatever gets in the car. He's used to getting picked up. Don't think about it. The other kids went around going, where's mom? Where's the babysitter? And the kids in the wrong car is like, huh. they took him to a fire station. He had a blast. He played on a fire truck. The point being, 
masks are impeding that that's just one isolated anecdotal story but the kids we're finding in kindergarten first second especially those grades kids mimic kids see how other people speak they're falling behind in language skills they're falling behind in math skills they're falling behind in communication it's 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 horribly detrimental cms you guys, you guys really need to rat. This is absurd. You're you're hurting the kids. Your primary goal is to educate kids. They're they're, they're safe far more than you're giving them credit for being safe. The incident rate amongst transmission for little ones not that high. And and you're going to have more and more protests. By the way, there are more protests coming. Apparently, I'm getting word today. I'm not not at liberty to discuss. Not going to. But I'm hearing some stuff is coming to North Carolina. We'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. I don't know. Sometimes people say they're going to do stuff and then they don't. Ah, someone retweeted. So I tweeted the topless story. Someone tweeted topless, but masked. <laughs> Imagine a bunch of topless people on the beach, but they've got a mask on. Oh, that was a good one. I appreciate the uh, feedback on that one. Now, uh, the, the Canadian story, because this is going to take up some time. I do, I do want to get to this. So I'm going to try to truncate this a little bit. And, and here's the way the story went down. So this was posted today at 7.54 a.m. Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister in Canada, is accused of bringing martial law to Canada by invoking emergency powers to crack down on Freedom Convoy and freeze protesters' bank accounts. Mounties arrest 11, find a cache of weapons. It's always the thing. They found some weapons. Under the Emergency Act, the government introduced measures to, to cut off protester funding. The uh, He invoked the Emergency Act on Monday afternoon. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association, the equivalent of the ACLU, said the government had not met the standard for invoking it. Tucker Carlson blasted blasted it, not surprising, saying he'd overstepped. The act is intended to deal with threats to sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity. Premiers of Alberta, Manitoba, Quebec, and Saskatchewan spoke out opposing this extraordinary. This is ripping the government apart. So rather than have substantive dialogue about safety, they're willing to endanger all of these people's lives, livelihood, everything, just to enforce mask mandates. That, that's the kind of bizarreness where, where we've reached. And, and don't think it couldn't come to someplace near you. How far would the government be willing to go to force you to be compliant? Now, this is Canada. But, hey, no one expected Canada to become, you know, kind of the symbol of the fight between freedom and tyranny. Nobody. It's like the old Monty Python skit. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody would expect, I mean, if, if I told you six months ago, hey, Canada is going to be where the fight for freedom takes place. Now, you expect it in Tiananmen Square. You expect it in North Korea. You expect it, you know, where you have these holdouts, people pushing back against this monolithic, tyrannical, power-hungry government. You don't expect it just to the north of us. The Canadians, they're just friendly people that like to play hockey. There's moose up there. They're friendly people. But now, they're the symbol. They're the new Tiananmen Square. These people, these truckers are having everything taken from them. It's just unbelievable. A complex and multi-day operation has begun to clear Freedom Convoy truckers from streets. Following an agreement between city authorities and protest organizers, Mayor Jim Watson confirmed on Monday night that convoy leaders have started to act on their commitment to move several trucks from the residential district after more than two weeks. It comes after Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau declared a rare national public order emergency and a bid to end the protest. This would allow him to freeze truckers' personal and corporate bank accounts, suspend the insurance on their rigs, and tow away their vehicles. He has, however, ruled out using the military to restore. So he's one step away from a Tiananmen Square. He's one step away from rolling tanks. Think about that. That close. 
to rolling the military in. One of the mayors, uh, I believe, actually resigned over this. It, it's just it's just an unbelievable situation that has happened. And we're not that far away from this tyrannical approach. You know, they Biden had met with Trudeau. That you would think that they, that there would be, but this isn't ending. Don't think this is this is far from over. I think there's a trucking group organizing here in this country. We're not as locked down. It, it, it's kind of piecemeal here. More and more Democrat governors are saying, "I want nothing to do with this. I don't want to lock down stuff." More and more, uh, you know, Democrats in in local localities are trying to push back against this lockdown stuff. As and as we come out of this situation, which we will and we have to, we must, we must. By defining characteristics of being American, to the core of our beings, we must. You're going to find, I predict, this is, and I'm not, I, I hate political prognostications. I'm not going to predict who's going to win races, but I will say this. I think many Democrats, because they're already doing it, many Democrats are going to, number one, they're going to run from what they've done. They're going to say, no, it was never as bad as you, you've said it is. We, never, we were doing it under the auspices of public safety. They're going to try to take credit for everything that happened rather than seeing that a disease runs its course. If you look at other countries that didn't have as excessive lockdowns as we did and other countries that didn't, you find no difference. You find no difference. We need to take a break. Top of the hour here. Second hour getting ready to be underway. Chad, I'm your guest host. Sitting in for Pete Callender. We'll be right back here at WBT. <laughs> 